Are you ready to level up your design game with the power of AI? But also, are you a little wary of those robots taking over? Welcome back to the new season of Insights Unlocked. In this episode, user testing CEO Andy McMillan talks with Pablo Stanley, a designer who turned his passion into Musho AI, an AI-powered design plugin for Figma. He gets real about overcoming those we-know-best blind spots, why user testing is non-negotiable, and the emotional roller coaster of being a design entrepreneur. Get ready to laugh, learn, and maybe rethink how you see AI's role in your future. Welcome to Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing, where we bring you candid conversations and stories with the thinkers, doers, and builders behind some of the most successful digital products and experiences in the world, from concept to execution. Hi again. Before we get started with this week's episode, I wanted to ask a favor. We're creating a new show segment where we give a shout out to one or more listeners who are finding creative or cool ways to connect and learn from their customers. Heck, we may even ask you to be a guest on the show. If you have an example you think is worth sharing or that other listeners can benefit from, please send me an email with the details. You can send it to podcast at usertesting.com. Thanks, and on to the show. Welcome to the Insights Unlocked podcast. I'm Nathan Isaacs, Senior Manager for Content Production at User Testing. And joining me today as host is User Testing's CEO, Andy McMillan. Welcome, Andy. Hey, everyone. How's it going? And our guest today is Pablo Stanley. Pablo is a Latin designer based in Mexico. He is the founder or co-founder of several design brands, most recently Bueno, and the Musho AI plugin for Figma. Previously, he was a lead designer at Envision, a staff designer at Lyft. He gives design workshops around the world focused on product design and UI animation. Welcome to the show, Pablo. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, this is great. Hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Pablo, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, you have an absolutely incredible background. Like it's just a fascinating set of work that you've uh, you've put together, and, and uh, you know you're the co-founder and founder of several companies. <laughs> uh, you're an influencer not only in design, but I, I would also say in the Latinx community in, in the tech world. Um, can you maybe tell us all a little bit about yourself and maybe what's keeping you busy as we head into 2024? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've been a designer for uh, a, a very long time, like a. T- it's already like wow 25 years like i started like back in 1998 or 99 uh and, and i started like i i'm realizing that a lot of designers have started like doing stuff for either the punk band or whatever that their hobbies were when they were like teenagers uh or maybe for uh, i don't know back in those days i also skateboarded so that's like really got what got got me into design uh but uh fast forward to now and um now i'm working more on the uh, ai side of stuff like like any if everyone is i guess now uh but uh but yeah i've been doing um, um like four or five years ago i started like uh, uh going into the uh startup like a, starting our own startups uh, and it's been uh it's been a wild ride and uh but lately we've been just experimenting with ai and it's been a really cool challenge uh to work with those uh rebellious little robots why well, it is 
and you, you sort of joke about it. It's true, but it is very, very topical. Uh, you know, everybody's talking a lot about about AI and, and what it means, what its impact is. And you mentioned your Musho AI plugin for Figma, which which is amazing. Um, I'd like to maybe sort of peel back the AI topic just a little bit. Um, you know, I think a lot of folks, especially in the creative world, are seeing the capabilities of AI, which is exciting. We talk a little bit about that, but I think the sort of underlying discussion that that I think is starting to be talked about, but I think is, is really where a lot of the um, interest is shifting to is, is sort of getting a, uh, our arms around what does AI actually mean for people in the creative fields? What does it mean for a designer uh, when capabilities like this come into the market? So, you know, I, I get asked this by UX researchers as well, but maybe from your perspective, let's start with designers. Like what what is AI going to mean for them? Is it going to is it going to make them more productive? Is it going to put them out of work? Is it going to change what they do? Like, how do you see AI changing the role a developer plays and the impact on their actual job? We started this startup because we're all very optimistic about this. Uh, and <clears throat> as a as a techno optimist, uh, I believe in the. Uh, uh, the ability that these tools will have for creative empowerment. And uh, I'm a firm believer in the, uh, well, in the positive impact that technology has. And I see AI as this, well, a powerful tool, you know, to enhance the creative capabilities of individuals, you know. And um, obviously, I, 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 I see that this is happening at a very fast pace and it will be very naive to not really see all the uh, challenges that this uh, brings because the the pace at which AI is just evolving, like, uh, well, uh, uh, it, it, it's making traditional systems like uh, in, in industries which are slower to adapt to have like almost like a breakdown and maybe an existential crisis, I guess. Uh, so. I can see that there's going to be a period of transition um, and where uh, there's going to be a lot of people affected uh, by this uh, shift. And there's going to be a lot of uh, people who, who might feel displaced. Uh, and I can, I can see that happening on the creative side because it's weird because we, I suppose we always uh, thought that uh, the robots were that we humans had this uh, uh, unique capability of being creative, <laughs> and then we realized, oh no, the robots can can be creative too. Actually, they can be very creative, and sometimes sometimes even hallucinate stuff. Uh, but I I suppose that for a lot of people, suddenly getting ChatGPT is just like it was like a, a, a day before and a day after ChatGPT because it just like democratized like a deep the capabilities of uh, the AI. Everyone now can see it as like, oh, wait, hold on. This is actually really good. I can use this and this could replace uh, Robert who is doing our uh, copywriting, you know? <laughs> Suddenly, like, I'm pretty sure that for a lot of people are like, oh, uh, I, I maybe I don't need a, an assistant anymore or I don't need this person. So I, I suppose that for a it lot of- It was tangible. I agree with that. It was very tangible. Like all of a sudden it was a thing. Yeah. You could see it and, and interact with it. I agree. It, it, yeah. it was just like uh, from one day to another, it was like, oh, okay. Uh, for, I suppose, for business owners or for people who are on the on the other side hiring people, I'm pretty sure that they got, oh, okay, maybe we can reduce our staff because this thing can, like one person can do the job of like three. I see all of this more as a, 
something that has to that we have to go through this adaptation that we have to go through uh it's is gonna affect more some than others uh we were also thinking that it would like we were imagining ai more as robots you know they just like like arms and just like that like the blue collar jobs were going to be replaced but we realized that it's like oh no it's actually the uh the intelligence part is what this thing is really good at so i like uh, yeah like a design is one of those right uh, uh designers uh right now i can see that they need to adapt but at the same time i see suddenly uh designers not being just one specialty because like i see it as a the creative output that these tools have are democratizing creativity and the creative output will no longer be uh, like an exclusive domain of those with like formal training or or like access to expensive resources uh, I, I can also tell you from the other side, like like as, as us building the tools like for the do design, a, a comforting thought is that the robots are not very good at design, not yet. <laughs> at least, yeah. I mean, we're, we're working on making them get better, by the way. <laughs> but uh, so far, they're good at replicating stuff that is already there. Uh, and they're good at just like, uh like templates uh or like a, you just like type something and all the demos that you see on twitter and stuff they're really good at just like making stuff on components that already exist like a tailwind html uh like a tailwind website it's really good at doing that stuff because like tailwind all the components already exist so it's good at just like putting them together but like actually coding them and or actually putting creating layout and creating compositions it's i suppose that since all of these models are trained on all the data that exists well most of the web and most of the stuff that is out there is not very good <laughs> so the output is, is is usually not great uh it's sort of inherently derivative to your point right like it's, yeah. it's sort of based on what everybody's been doing before and i, I think um you know i think when we talk to ux researchers one of these we talk a lot about is you know the cost curve sort of shifting and making this a lot cheaper mm -hmm. but it's yeah. still very valuable and and i think we see I mean, I don't know, in our day-to-day -day lives, I don't think I walk around this world and think, oh, it's overly designed. You know, like everything is really well designed at this point or like everything's really usable at this point. Yeah. Like, a vast majority of things are not getting the kind of high-end design and feedback loop that is probably needed. And so I think if we step back, we're like, how big is the surface area mm. for creating much better experiences? I think it's probably 100x what we're, what we're able to execute on today. So- you know, I've been telling folks in our little community, you know, if, if AI could make you 10 times more productive, we probably still need to hire 10 times as many researchers mm, because yeah. that's the size of the surface areas. And I feel that way about design as well. I, I, I've never worked at a company where I thought to myself, we just have too many designers. Like the, the problem set is so big that I could always use more. And I think that's sort of my mindset on the AI is if we can really help sh shift that cost curve, I think it would apply design principles and better design to just a lot more stuff versus go like, well, I'm really glad we don't have to have as many thoughts about design anymore. So maybe that'll be, maybe that's what this will end up being is sort of a big unlock for 
for how much we can invest in this area. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, there's there's definitely a shift in like how we see the role of the designer and and research. I I see that uh, a lot of the things that are like. Um, I mean, we have already, even without AI, we have already seen like a change in uh, design systems and uh, a, a lot of tools that have been getting better and better, uh, just like uh, r reducing all the the repetitive tasks and all those things that, that are not really designed, that are just like, like putting blocks together. All of those things are almost going away, you know, and with AI, all of those things are just like even easier to to get rid of uh, from your task list of, of what you need to do. So pixel perfection is not a, uh, there's, you, you shouldn't, <clears throat> there shouldn't be a, a design that is not pixel perfect anymore, because this thing just like uh, can can take all of those little tasks and do them for you. So I can see that a, as, as a designer, you can focus on other areas and you can use these little robots uh, to assist you on uh, creating more of the things that you wanted to create, but just didn't have the time before. Or maybe like me, you were a little bit lazy. <laughs> and laziness is the secret to all innovation, right? <laughs> Somebody deciding, I don't want to spend my time doing this. So I, uh, exactly. I agree with that. Maybe tell our listeners a little bit about the plugin. I, th I think we sort of mentioned it, and I don't know that I ever directly asked, like, "Hey, tell everybody what the plugin does." And and I mean, I know that um, you know Figma's footprint in the design world is just massive. Yeah, um, I, I doubt anybody listening is is not at least adjacently working with Figma in some way. And it's a it's a great product. So maybe describe how the how the plugin works and, and sort of what it does. Of course, yeah. So uh, the Musho uh, AI plugin. Uh, it it's really simple. It's it's just a little text uh, input where you just ask it something and then it will output something. You know, so it's a uh, it's very similar to other uh, creative tools uh, out there in that aspect. Uh, but right now, like we started with one simple goal in the beginning, where it was hey, let's just do landing pages, you know? And, and it's not very original, but it, it was also in, in, intentionally not original, original because, A, like there's so much information about like uh, landing pages, so we can easily train a model or a little robot to do landing pages, and, and that way we learn and we get something out there. Uh, and we put something together that just like created really nice landing pages, and, and it did everything with... Uh, um, with like all the out to layout, like the stuff that as, as a professional designer you would expect from uh, from like a landing page, where like a it's responsive. You can make it smaller, you can make it bigger. So it does all of that stuff, and it does it with really nice images. It follows your prompt, uh, like it's it's very accurate with what you do, uh, and also uh, it creates images and oh, sorry and the copy. So it's. It's great at that, and now we're working on expanding on that initial idea. It's just like, it's very limited to just do landing pages. So it was like, okay, we learned that. Now can we do it all, <laughs> you know? So now we, we're working on that. But I, I would say that it's, uh, it's something that happened that is really, really cool. Uh, once we asked ourselves like, oh, okay, now, it made landing pages. Can it do it all? It's gonna be easy, right? And I suppose there was some kind of uh, 
Donnie Kruger effect in the beginning, you know, but still going where you think that just with just like knowing just this little, you think that you know it all, you know, and you 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 feel very confident about what you're doing. <laughs> but you, I, I don't know if you ever heard about the Donnie Kruger effect, when the the, the least you know, uh, the more confident you feel. And <laughs> but also, <laughs> there, there's this thing called Mount Stupid, where it's like there's even a graphic about the uh, Donnie Kruger effect, and the the more confident, but the more, the less you know, is also it's called the the peak of Mount Mount Stupid. And, and we were at the peak of Mount Stupid where we decided, okay, let's do it all. We could do it. And then we started, okay, let's let's try doing this and let's try doing social media and let's start doing graphic design. And then as we realized like, uh, oh, okay, this thing is actually harder than we thought, but it's been a tough, a really nice challenge to have, just like understanding how I, I, I like to call them little robots, but it's just like large language models and it's the uh, machine learning and all these things that, uh, that are behind. But, but I imagine them as little robots. And now we're teaching little robots to do uh, very different things because we realize that if you just give the role of the designer to one single robot, uh, then it's slow, it's, uh, it costs a lot, and it's not very accurate. And it would just like, at, at some point, it would just like break down. So we decided to start like doing like little assistants that are really specialized in, 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 in different skills, which is weird because then we realized like, oh, we're like creating like a design team here. Like in the, in the back, there's actually a, like an agency, like, or like a design team with different robots. There's like, there's the illustrator, there's the, uh, the one that is uh, really good with typography and, 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 and it's really good at doing font combinations. There's another one that is just really good at color uh, and, and the one that is like the copywriter. So, and then you as the client, let's see, or we, we call the, the designer, in this case, we call them the user, we call them the creative director. The creative director is, is uh, interfacing with one, uh, uh, like a manager, let's call them, like the project manager on the other side. And then this project manager is like, oh, okay, you need this. Okay, cool, don't worry. And then goes to the, to the back and then it's like, hey, I need an illustrator, I need a photographer, hey, I need a copywriter for this little thing that uh, uh, Andy and Nathan needs, you know? And then it goes and do, does those things and they creates a team for a specific task. And, and I don't know, that, that, that has... Uh, uh, unlocked a lot of the different things that we can do with it because uh, now now in instead of trying to teach it all we, we just like go in different uh, uh, very specific tasks for it to do and now it's doing social media stuff and now we're teaching it to do uh, like any kind of UI which is which is good but at the same time sometimes it, it doesn't understand so like I don't know it's it's, it's it's just really cool, but that's on, on the experimental mode. And uh, we call it experimental mode because it can really do anything. But uh, we have been training it for like three months, this model for it to do anything. But to be honest, like it, we haven't released it and we still call it like beta alpha because what it does is still not at that level that we want it to. Uh, but it's, it just like gets a little bit better and better. So. It's it's super fascinating as a is like an organizing principle. I mean, yeah. I, I love the idea of the robots having little areas of expertise. So that makes a ton of sense. But I really think the landing page concept scaled 
is also super interesting. Like imagine at your fingertips being able to have the skill set mm -hmm. of how to design something really important to you, like a landing page, which again, you're right, is sort of maybe a great example of a Dunning-Kruger effect where at first step, like how hard can it be to design a landing page yeah. like they're all over the internet? But then you get down to optimizing your landing page yeah. is such a needle mover for a business. Like 1% conversion could be the difference between your business making it or not, right? I mean, so it's really interesting to think about sort of specialization in that world as well. I think we always think of large language models as like this amazing generalist, but like specialization is really fascinating as well. So that's definitely something people that are listening should go go check out. Like yeah. it's, a, it's a really cool um, area. I, I do want to shift gears because I, I, uh, I also think you have an amazing background and a lot of our listeners ask us about the people that are on the show are interesting. Like, how did they get to that point? So while we try to get the the knowledge, I also want to sort of dive in a little bit to, um, to, you know, what advice you'd give to people. So if, you know, our listeners are, you know, a, a staff designer or earlier in their career, um, and they're thinking about following an entrepreneurial path like yours, which I think is just fascinating. And, and it is exciting. Let's see, you talk about the stuff that you all are building. Um, what advice would you give to them about heading down the entrepreneurial path? Oh man, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I thank you for asking that question because I, I'm on the other side, and well, I'm still like uh, going through this. Uh, I like to call it roller coaster, uh, and you think that you're like at the end of the roller coaster, and then you realize there's another uh, peak and there's another free fall uh, waiting for you. Uh, but I. I would say that uh, uh, it's embrace that that roller coaster because it's a, an emotional roller coaster, and and really prepare yourself for that uh, emotional journey. You know, because there's going to be a lot of tests, uh, uh, and and those those tests come from very unexpected places. Sometimes they come from uh, from your family, you know, and your friends, and, and from the, the people close to you. And I, I, it comes from a place of love and it comes from a place of worry where it's like, hey, you're going into that, that thing that feels like it's just like draining you, you know, for, for them, it's like it's it, it, on, on their side, it, it looks like it's uh, uh, maybe it's just taking all of your time. You're not seeing your family, your friends uh, as much as, as you did before, before you went into that route. So for them, it's like, what is this change? What is the shift? And, uh, and, and they worry for you, uh, but, but it's also maybe they're, they're also afraid of that change, you know, and, and they're not ready for that. And you have to make a decision and say like, hey, I know this is tough for you too, but I, I have to go through this, you know? And so, and, and, and it's a very lonely road too, uh, where like, uh, where you don't know who to talk. Once, once you're in there, you don't know who to talk to, uh, about these things because you realize that not a lot of people go into this uh, route. So you have to, I suppose, like create a, like a support system, just like a surround yourself with like, with other like-minded individuals that have gone through this maybe uh, get an advisor or other founders. I also advise not going just by yourself, get a co-founder <laughs> because uh, if you just go by yourself, it's, it's, it's going to be really tough. And, and if you get a, a co-founder, then you can share, well, all the responsibility, of course, and all the work and all, uh, all that stuff, but also, again, all the emotional stress and having someone with whom you can 
like talk about the ideas, but also talk about the the, the things that go wrong is, is good. Um, I, I can go on, but I <laughs> one thing is also uh, uh, building this resilience for uh, that goes to the first point rejection. Just like I don't know, at least in, in if you're going to be raising money, if you're not, if the if it's not bootstrapped. Uh, and if it is not, uh, if you're going to be for uh, VC capital or something, uh, you're going to get a lot of no's. <laughs> like most people are going to say no to you and, and it's going to feel very personal. It's going to feel like crap because it's your idea. And it's like, so because this idea, they're saying no, then they're saying no to me and your self-worth goes down. But uh, but that's just in the beginning, and I, I would just recommend a seeing each no as a, as a step closer to the yes, you know? To that first yes. Usually you just for, needs, need one person to believe in you. I have a conspiracy theory, and I think all VCs uh, and all angel investors have a, like a WhatsApp group, and they talk between each other. Uh, and <laughs> you just need one yes from one of those people, and then everybody else is going to get FOMO, and then everybody's yep. going to jump in, and then maybe you're going to get oversubscribed. Well, it's also to your point, it, it is... It is one of these processes where you do just need one yes. Yeah. Like once the funding goes into your bank account, like it doesn't really matter how many people said no. Like it's it's not like a vote. You don't have to get a majority of VCs to say yes. Yeah. You just need, you know, um, I used to joke when I worked at Oracle, I would sometimes submit stuff multiple times into the process that I needed to run through because it didn't matter how many times somebody in the back office said no. I just needed one yes. Yeah. So I would just sort of keep going. I think that's the right approach. I, I really like your point too about um, having co-founders. I think one of the things I've heard a lot of folks tell me who go through the entrepreneurial journey is there's a sort of advice bias as well. Everybody wants to go find a highly successful founder to give mm. them advice. Part of the challenge in doing that is, to your point, the math is that most of these don't make it. So going with selection bias to somebody who maybe didn't run into the same challenges you might hit and having them not be able to relate to that isn't very helpful either. You sort of need some people... Um, either who are currently in that stage or have been through the rough spots to really help go, yeah, like we got to the other side of that. Like, I think that's, um, I think that's really, really solid advice. Um, so I, I want to um, uh, maybe last thing I'll, I'll ask, which is uh, an important one. I, I, I also get asked by people who listen to our show, you know, how do I follow up? How do I follow these folks? How do I learn more about what they're doing? So you have a, a ton of great things going on. Um, so many amazing <laughs> initiatives. Uh, I'm sure people want to learn and, and follow you, but also you have your Musho AI, you have Bueno, Blush, a whole bunch of creative initiatives that you're part of. So what do our listeners do if they want to uh, engage and follow you or connect to some of your projects? Well, I I, I would encourage everyone to go and, and try and test uh, Musho AI. We're in the early stages of it and really we're learning, you know, um, and... Uh, we we need all that feedback right now on, on on this tool that we're building, so that will be really helpful for us. So like uh, going to Mucho AI, and I think it's on Twitter. It's, User it's, feedback is something we're big on in this podcast. So two big thumbs up exactly. for me on the idea of having people try it and give you feedback. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's Mucho AI on Twitter. So like if you follow us there, and I think it's also on LinkedIn, uh, which is like do weekly updates and we do weekly user tests and that has uh helped us a lot uh and and more on that like 
going back to the Dunning-Kruger effect too, uh, well, it, it was really once we started testing it with users, like, oh, of course they need that. Of course they, they will be looking at a text input and they would just like ask for a, a million things, you know? And it's like, we, it, it's weird because like when you're like, obviously you're you're working on something, you're building in this little island and with your thoughts and all your biases, like you think that everyone is going to need the the perfect little very niche product that you created and then you put in the hands of users they're like no you're doing it wrong don't, don't ask it that <laughs> don't ask the robot to do that and it's like oh okay well we need to work on that so uh, yeah we get a lot of we never thought somebody would ask it to do that like we never imagined <laughs> i mean it's, it's fascinating what people do when you hand them stuff for sure yeah it's uh, uh user testing for sure is uh something that has helped us a lot uh, so Highly recommend it and just mucho AI. And, and well, uh, myself, I, I'm a spammer, so I don't know if people want to follow me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm Pablo Stanley and, and I'm a spammer. I just like, I, I just keep updating people on all the crap that uh, that we find. You have amazing content. I think you're being, <laughs> uh, you're being gracious of that. So I would definitely recommend people follow your content. Thank um, you. If, Thank you, Andy. Well, um, and this was great. Thank, I know you're busy and you have a lot going on, so I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, thank you for, for joining us, sharing your knowledge, talking about AI and, and the things you have going on and, and your experience as an entrepreneur. I, uh, I really appreciate it. I know our audience will get a lot, a lot out of it. Thank you. Thank you, Andy, Nathan. Thank you for, for the opportunity to, uh, for, uh, for talking about this thing that I, I don't get to talk a lot, <laughs> the, the behind the scenes. <laughs> well, it was great. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find the show notes at usertesting.com slash podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or Google Play so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed today's show, please share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, this is Insights Unlocked, an original podcast from User Testing.